Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Seven Deadly Seals, written by Alana Albertson, narrated by Jason Clark and Jennifer O'Donnell, produced at Brickshop Audio Inc. Seven Deadly Seals is also available in print as an ebook on the Radish Fiction app and as a full-length audiobook. If you want the whole story without waiting, grab one of these formats from the links at www.authoralanaalbertson.com. That's www.authoralanaalbertson.com. And now, Seven Deadly Seals, Episode 8. Chapter 6. Ksenia. As he had promised, Mitch roped Grant into some kind of work emergency. Luckily for me, being a Navy SEAL BUDS instructor was a 24 hours a day, 7 days a week job. I turned my key into the doorknob of my apartment. The place I lived in was a dump. My elderly roommate, Olga, didn't say a word to me, as she eyed me from her permanent place in front of the television, but a quick, disgusted snort told me exactly what she thought of me. I wanted to move out. I wished I could live with Grant. Even in my current incarnation, I only truly felt safe when he was by my side. But at the moment, that was out of the question. I needed a refuge to do some of my own intel, away from his glaring eye. Perfect example was the tracking device I'd put on Mitch's phone. I grabbed my small laptop and logged into the private portal Roman had set up for me. A few key swipes, and I was in. Data filled the screen. I poured myself a glass of rosé and settled in to read. At first glance, nothing stood out. A bunch of messages to his command, his friends. Hell, he even checked in with his mom. As I went back further, I saw some messages to his wife, April. Yep, they weren't together anymore. I didn't know if they were divorced or what, but their messages were terse. She was living back home in Seattle, and it looked like most of her texts to him had gone unanswered. I definitely had to investigate that further. I can't believe she finally left him. Sure, he was a jerk, but when I'd first met them, they'd been so in love. Guess they were on the 90% side of that sealed divorce rate after all. Marriage drama aside, another message stood out to me. To a Raphael. No text, no emoticons, just a smiley face. Why was he sending a guy a smiley face? I was certain Raphael wasn't a seal. I'd never met him, and though he could be new, the established frogman never really hung out with the tadpoles. Maybe I was reading something into nothing, but there were no records of any other texts or calls to this number going 30 days back. I didn't have enough information now to draw a conclusion, but I stored my suspicion for later use. I showered, changed, and got ready to meet Mitch. I dressed in a long silver evening gown, appropriate attire that I thought Ksenia would wear for an interview at a high-end strip club. Was Mitch setting me up? I just hoped Grant wouldn't find out where I was or whom I was with. I applied blood-red lipstick and stared again at this stranger in the mirror. 
Would I ever get used to looking like this? Once this was over, I wished I could go back to looking like me, but sadly, that wasn't possible. A short time later, I arrived at Diamond, set in the heart of San Diego. The view of the Coronado Bridge in the background still took my breath away every time I looked at it. That bridge had once represented everything I'd loved about San Diego. Grant, Joaquin, the Navy Seals, the Hotel Dell. Now, my eyes just filled with tears at the mere sight of the lights in the distance. My sparkly gown glowed in the moonlight. A few men catcalled me, but I kept my glance ahead until I heard my phone beep. I glanced down, and my heart sank when I saw the text. Grant. Hey, babe, I miss you. It was simple, sweet, not a sexual innuendo in sight. It was almost like the way he'd been back when we were dating. But I didn't have time to respond. Behind the shiny glass doors, Mitch awaited, and hopefully a clue to Tiffany's killer. The doors swung open, and before I could figure out where to go, Mitch appeared in front of me dressed in a tailored suit, his hair slicked back, his beard freshly trimmed. I wanted to hate this man, though I had this unmistakable gut feeling that Mitch wasn't evil. He didn't strike me as one of those rare Navy SEALs who joined for the sole reason that he could become a legalized serial killer. Had he always been the cocky jerk I'd known over the years? Maybe his bravado was just an act he'd adopted to get through buds, a shell to make him better able to perform on the job without allowing himself to feel the immense pain, physical and emotional, that being a SEAL required. Right now, he smelled incredible, like those chocolate after-dinner mints I loved sucking on. You're so beautiful. His hand brushed a lock of my hair out of my face. Relax, I'll take care of you. I squeezed his hand, and he placed his arm around my shoulder. For once, he wasn't abrasive. He seemed almost comforting, warm, and dare I say, like a gentleman. I allowed myself to see him with fresh eyes, tonight only, find out why his wife had fallen in love with him. Mitch led me down the red-carpeted hallway. I felt as if I was at a movie premiere rather than a strip club, but this place was unlike any strip club I'd visited in preparation for going undercover. I thought San Francisco had some classy joints. This place looked like a restaurant. There was no public stage for women to dance on while men gawked at them. Girls, who could have been mistaken for models, milled around the men, who were seated in private booths or at the bar. Male waiters carried plates of expensive-looking food and bottles of vintage wine. Definitely a step up from Panthers. Mitch pulled me into a private booth. Wait here. I'll be right back. My lips spread into a forced smile as he turned to walk away. I scanned the club, eyeing the girls. A redhead in the corner I recognized as Emma, another stripper who'd worked at Panthers, but had vanished. Last winter, she'd given me the first clue to this case, that Grant had invited the strippers to the party. A clue that broke my heart. If only I'd known then that her words would lead me to this new life. Across the room, 
I saw a blonde with a crisp bob, who had to be Autumn. She hadn't seen me yet, but I would make sure to connect with her. Yes, this was the place to be. Had Grant ever come here? Had Joaquin? Mitch came back to my table, accompanied by a short, stocky guy, late 30s, sporting a full beard. He looked like he could be a former SEAL, but I didn't recognize him. Ksenia, this is Jack. He owns the club. Nice to meet together with you, Jack. I held up my hand and he kissed it. Pleasure is mine. Mitch wasn't lying. You're a knockout. You look like a young Pamela Anderson. Tell me, doll, why do you want to work here? I used my best breathy sex kitten voice, hinged with my fake accent. I love men. I love to make them happy. Jack and Mitch lapped up my words. God, men were so easy. Jack stared at my chest, and I arched my back to give him a better view. Well, baby doll, you can make me happy anytime. Maybe I'll adopt you as my personal pet. Let me show you around and introduce you to the girls. You can audition on Monday. Audition? What was tonight, just a meet and greet? And what the fuck did he mean about being his pet? I'd drawn my lines into the sand early. No sex with anyone except Grant. And I'd even managed to resist him so far. I deserved a medal for that feat. Once I'd crossed that boundary with a man other than Grant, I'd never be able to respect myself again. But this new opportunity was good. I still had a chance here. A breakthrough in the case felt so close. I was in this swanky club where at least two of the strippers who knew Tiffany worked and might be able to provide me with much-needed clues. Mitch squeezed my arm. You owe me a dance. I'll be here on Monday. Thank you, Mitch. I will save the dance for you. Mitch settled into the booth as Jack led me away. Jack lowered his hand to my waist, his fingers tapping my ass. We have some rules. I'm telling you now so you can choose if you want to still work here. Number one, no boyfriends. If you have one, he better not step foot in here. Your job is to entertain our clients, make small talk, dance, laugh at their jokes. We don't want any trouble at all. I swallowed. Grant, I had to tell him about this job. Otherwise, he would find out for sure. I didn't trust Mitch to keep my secret. Or maybe I could wait a bit. Tell him I was taking an English class, stall until I got the information I needed, and then quit before he ever found out. I had to keep Grant close as an informant, a spy in the House of Seals. I'd royally piss him off when he found out I asked Mitch to help me get a job. Mitch was still on my radar, though at the moment, I felt deep down like he was just a jackass, not a murderer. But I couldn't be certain. Jack took me into the dancer's lounge in the back of the club. Instead of secondhand lumpy couches like at Panthers, this club was filled with velvet chaises, lighted mirrors, and walls adorned with art. But I didn't care about the ambiance. I scanned the room full of girls, 
Autumn was applying lipstick, and Emma was chatting on her cell phone. Remember, Mia, you don't know Emma. I didn't approach either one yet. I was sitting in the room with two women who were at the party the night Tiffany was killed. Two women who knew her. Two women who knew the men of SEAL Team 7. And unlike the SEALs, these women loved to talk. Jack didn't even bother to introduce me to anyone. He just gave me a pat on my bottom and left to go back to the main club. Autumn now glanced my way. Ksenia, I didn't know you were coming by. You didn't text me or nothing. She squealed like a schoolgirl and wrapped me in a big hug. Are you going to work here? I told you this place was classy. Let me introduce you to everyone. Score. I had to control my feet from dancing. Autumn linked her hand around mine and took me over to Emma. Emma, this is that Russian girl I told you about? Nice to meet with you, Emma. My name is Ksenia. I'm actually from the Ukraine. Emma just gave me a distractive wave and went back to chatting on her phone. When I'd met Emma in the parking lot of Panthers, she'd been so kind and welcoming. This time, not so much. Now I was a threat, competition, rather than some pathetic girl sobbing over her wayward ex-boyfriend and despondent over the loss of her brother. Autumn continued to show me around. I didn't get this girl. She was so sweet to me, and I didn't feel like it was an act. She was young, not jaded, and perhaps really wanted a friend. She seemed lonely, and I couldn't help but wonder how much longer she would be so bubbly before the realities of life as a stripper broke her spirit. She took me aside and led me into the bathroom. Um, can I ask you something? I nodded my head. She bit her fingernails, the crimson polish chipping at the ends. Are you still seeing Grant? I mean, that's cool if you are and everything. I'm just curious and all. I swallowed. I was standing next to a girl who had been with my man on the night Tiffany was murdered, on the night that ruined my brother's life. Yes, I am. But he do not know that I am here. She blinked rapidly. That's cool. She paused, and her shoulders slumped. Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I wanted to head out to Temecula to visit Tiffy's family. Tiffany's family. People who no doubt wanted to crucify my brother. But no way in hell would I squander the opportunity to meet them. Autumn rattled on. The girls won't go with me. They're all weirded out by it, like they can't deal with her death. I mean, everyone's just forgotten about her. It could have been me, you know? So I just want to do something nice for her family. I, I know I don't know you, and you don't know me, but I just really don't want to go alone, and you seem nice and all. God, I wanted to hug this girl. She was the first to tell me exactly where Grant was that night, eliminating him as a suspect, first to tell me about Diamond, and now she was going to bring me to meet Tiffany's family? She was too good to be true. I'd love to go together with you. You have it. My number, Cass. Oh, thank you. Have you been to Temecula? It's beautiful and all, too. Like they have wineries, and all the super hot motocross guys live up there. 
Autumn rattled on about some wine-tasting event, but all I could focus on was that tomorrow, I'd be meeting the family of the girl who my brother was accused of murdering. Chapter 7. Ksenia Autumn picked me up in the morning to drive to Temecula, a small town an hour north of San Diego. My hands trembled as she handed over a coffee she'd picked up for me at Starbucks. Tiffany. After all this time, I would get a glimpse into the life of the woman my brother was accused of murdering. Autumn's car sped north on the freeway. Thanks for coming with. Most of the other Russian girls I've met were, like, super stuck up, but you're not. I feel like I know you. You are very welcome. I'm from the Ukraine, not Russia. She tapped her fingernails on the steering wheel. Right, I know. Eastern Europe, I mean. So why did she start dancing? God, this girl needed a friend. She oozed loneliness. I live with my grandmother. She died, and I pay the bills. My English, it is not so good. I am ballroom dancer. Now I dance for men. Why are you dancer for men? She let out a sigh. Wow, your story is way cooler than mine. I was a fuck up in high school, dropped out. I started dating this guy, Jeff. Real jerk. Loser. Used to hit me. She looked away from me, the color draining from her face. Poor girl. I used to always lecture Grant that most strippers were abuse survivors or plain batshit crazy. I clearly fell into the latter category. Some mornings I woke up completely shocked that I'd actually gone through with this crazy plan. Anyway, he told me I could make good money at Panthers, so I tried it out. Him and me broke up and all. One day, I want to go to beauty school. But for now, I like dancing. I mean, I meet super interesting people, like you and Grant. You know he's a SEAL, right? Yep, painfully aware. I was the girl who'd given him massages, prepared Epsom salt baths for him, and bandaged his feet every night for six months during buds. He told to me. I paused, an ache growing in my throat. This girl was clearly still hung up on Grant, and here I was, mind-fucking him, no hope of being serious again because I was lying about who I was, using him for information. But I didn't have a choice anymore. I was in too deep. I needed him now. Don't worry, I'm not like in love with him or anything, she said playfully, like she could read my mind. I just think he's super hot, and it's so cool that he's a seal. I'd love to be with a guy who could protect me, you know? Maybe you can hook me up with one of his friends. Sure. I invite you to next party. I really liked her. I had learned since I started this experiment that I needed to be less judgmental. Autumn was a sweet girl. She deserved love. We exited the freeway and took the back roads. The view of the mountains and the vineyards calmed my nerves. For this ride, I felt connected to life. Even Autumn's chatter didn't seem to disturb my peace. I was happy to live in this moment, 
no thought of my past or future. We pulled up to a small tract house just outside of Temecula, in Winchester. The neighborhood sported matching homes, uniform lawns, and wide sidewalks. Just a few years ago, this town had been wrecked with foreclosures. It was nice to see that it was beginning to recover. An older woman, silver hair streaked with black, a saddened glaze in her eyes, opened the door, a small boy clutching her leg. When the toddler's face came into focus, I gasped. His eyes, deep hazel eyes with mile-long eyelashes, eyes that were so familiar. I was certain I'd looked into them my whole life. The heat in my body rose. No, it couldn't be. A horrible thought flashed through my head, like this boy was a ghost or a zombie. Fuck, Mia, you're losing it. I took a deep breath and said a prayer, trying to calm myself down. Who was this little boy? Was he Tiffany's son? There was no mention of a child in her obituary. This boy was around two years old. When he was conceived, Joaquin would have just returned from deployment and my brother had told me he'd never met Tiffany before that night. Had he been lying to me? This boy's eyes looked exactly like my dad's. Almond-shaped, long lashes, a slight slant on the left eyelid. My mouth became dry. This couldn't just be some random coincidence. The boy walked forward, his gaze focused on me. Autumn and Tiffany's mother embraced. I steadied my nerves, crouched down near the boy. What is your name? The little boy didn't speak. He reached his hand out to me, pointing at my purse. His grandmother grabbed him by his hand. Hurry on, don't be so rude. She turned to me and I rose from my position. Sorry about that. Come inside. Would you girls like some iced tea? Iced tea? Tequila sounded better. We walked in and sat on the sofa. The house was clean for having such a young boy. Pictures of Tiffany and Julian were everywhere. Yet there wasn't a single picture of any guy with them. She had to be his mom. Had she hid this kid from the police? That was impossible. If Autumn knew about the mother, then the police would also. Why was he not mentioned in a single police report or news article? I studied one of Tiffany's pictures. So unlike the stripper headshot the media had been running in the papers. In this one, her hair was a natural light brown. Her green eyes weren't sad, and she wasn't wearing any makeup. She looked fresh-faced almost innocent, no painted on eyebrows, self-tanner or jet black hair. What happened to her? What was her story? The grandmother handed us two glasses of iced tea. So, did you know my daughter? No, I did not, but Autumn has told me about her. My mind was racing trying to find a way to confirm that Tiffany was Julian's mother. 
she was a troubled girl. She was definitely mixed up in some heavy shit. But the best thing she ever did was let me raise Julian when he was born. And I thank God every day she stayed clean while she was pregnant. Well, the truth is, I didn't even know she was pregnant. Her own mother. Imagine that. She had vanished for a year and shown up with this baby one day asking me to take care of him. She did her best to visit when she could. But she made sure to keep Julian sheltered from her life down in San Diego. My hands started shaking, and I choked back tears. It couldn't be Mia. No way. Stop. This boy is not your son. Fuck. I needed to get away from here. I was having a psychotic break. Focus, Mia. Back to the case. Tiffany had been an addict. I'd always suspected that, but had no proof. Just a gut feeling. Drugs. This murder had to be linked to drugs. The pieces of the puzzle were falling into place. But I had to know who Julian's father was. Maybe I was just losing my mind, but I'd bet Joaquin's life that this boy was my nephew. Had my brother kept a secret from me? The same secret I kept from him? That would be too coincidental. I needed to be rational. I decided to make an emotional plea. My parents, they are dead. It must be so sad to you and to her boy. Is his father still in picture? I waited on her words. No. Tiffany wouldn't even tell me who he was, but I have my suspicions. I'm pretty sure it was her high school boyfriend. Real loser. Definitely not good enough for my Tiffy. Or Julian. I figure if Tiffy didn't want the dad to know, then it isn't my place to go against her wishes, you know. I nodded my head, but was saddened by her flawed thinking. The father had a right to know about his child, unless that knowledge would put the child's life in danger, just like I had the right to know if this little boy was my nephew. But then again, I, more than anyone, understood Tiffany's rationale. But my situation had been complicated, and I'd handled it the only way I knew how. Autumn tapped her fingernails on the coffee table. Any updates on the case? No. That rat bastard should fry. They should use a firing squad on his ass and save the taxpayers' money. My stomach ached. This woman seemed utterly convinced that Joaquin killed her daughter. Not that I blamed her. The grandmother spent the next hour reveling in Autumn's every story about Tiffany. I could completely relate to Tiffany's mom. Now that I had no family left, I clung to every memory I could involving my parents and Joaquin. After our visit came to a close, we started saying our goodbyes. Autumn promised to come by again and try to bring Tiffany's other friends. But I knew that was a long shot because the other girls seemed to have already washed their hands of the situation. Tiffany had been forgotten. I knelt down on the carpet to say goodbye to Julian. The little boy stood there, assessing me, arms crossed over his chest, before a reluctant little smile eased over his face 
and he threw his tiny body at me in a hug. Still silent, his small frame wrapped around me, and I couldn't resist. I knelt down and hugged him back, so hard. I never wanted to let go. It was as if I was hugging Joaquin again, as if I was hugging my own son. This boy smelt familiar, like home, mi familia. But I wasn't going to miss my chance to get confirmation of my suspicions. I tugged on his head and plucked a few strands of his hair out of his scalp, shoving them into my pocket. Julian seemed to startle, but didn't cry. Just gave me a sad face, and Autumn and I left. Once inside Autumn's car, she placed her hand on my knee. Thanks, Ksenia, for coming with. Of course, I had good time. She smiled and pulled away from the curb. Autumn didn't have a clue that she had just given me a huge break in this case, that she, a woman who'd spent the night with the love of my life, might have led me to the one clue that could unravel this mystery. After a long drive, Autumn dropped me off at home. Once safely inside, I took the hairs out of my pocket and stuffed them into a plastic bag, along with strands of Joaquin's hair that I collected from his apartment when I decided to go undercover. I would mail them to Roman, who would be able to send them to a DNA lab. By next week, I would know if Julian was my brother's son. Chapter 8 Grant Last night I had an overnight rotation training the Buds candidates. Joaquin was supposed to be standing by my side, yelling at these trainees, making sure they had what it took to save our brother's asses. One time during surf torture in our Buds class, Joaquin and I held on to each other all night, ensuring that we wouldn't die from hypothermia. I wasn't gay, but I never felt as close to another man as I had that night. We were more than friends, more than teammates, more than brothers. We were swim buddies. Now I couldn't help but feel further apart from him than ever. I was relaxing in my favorite chair, my dog by my side, while he was in a cold cell, alone, away from his loved ones. But I might still have his loved one in my grasp. Today I had a plan, a plan that would rattle Ksenia. I asked her to meet me downtown in front of the sushi place where she and I had gone on our first date last week. She showed up dressed casually, jeans, white tank top, hair and a ponytail, flip-flops, light makeup. She looked pretty. Normal, in fact. Her head tilted and she pulled me toward her for a kiss. I kissed her back. Her lips tasted sweet, fragrant, like Mia used to taste. And in this moment, I wanted to just take her away, torture her until she confessed the truth and try to get my old girlfriend back. Grant, you want to eat it, the sushi again? Maybe we try something new. Her eyes were hidden behind huge sunglasses. I wanted to see them react to what I was about to tell her. I squeezed her shoulders. I'm not that hungry, actually. How about we grab a cup of coffee instead? She smiled and we went inside a seedy donut shop. I ordered two old-fashioned glazed donuts and two hot coffees. 
We sat at the table by the window. She took off her sunglasses and I stared into her eyes. Actually, I tricked you. I studied her face, hoping she would squirm under my words. She tapped her fingers on the plastic table, but her poker face showed no fear. You did? I wanted to see if you'd come with me. My buddy, he's in the jail down the street. The coffee cup was halfway to her mouth when she froze. Her face turned ashen, the tiny hairs on her arms lifted. Bingo. I got her. In jail? What is the crime? She said, her voice shaking. I cocked my head. Murder, I said flatly. Her hands wrapped around her styrofoam coffee cup again, and this time she took a sip. Yes, of course, Grant. I go together with you. She ate the rest of her donut in silence. When we finished, we stood up and I grabbed her hand. It was clammy. I'd called Joaquin's lawyer last night, under the guise of seeing if there were any breaks in the case. He'd said unfortunately no. I asked him to see if Joaquin would accept a visit from me. The lawyer called me a few hours ago to let me know that Joaquin had agreed. I then requested and received permission from my command, and here I was, with Ksenia, a.k.a. Joaquin's sister. We walked into the county jail and handed over our driver's licenses. Ksenia had a valid one that rang up in the computer. Who had provided her with her documents? I knew some guys back home in Chicago who could get people papers, but dealing with them was not for amateurs. I didn't have a clue what type of shady characters she was surrounding herself with. We milled around the waiting room with some other hapless souls. This place reeked of desperation. The entire time we waited, Ksenia didn't utter a word, just gave me a dazed smile. Finally, a guard led us to a room where we sat at a small partition. After yet another wait, Joaquin and some other inmates walked through the door. Ksenia gasped when he came into focus. My jaw gaped as well. It had been seven months since I'd seen him. His body was still massive, but his face was now bloated. His eyes were tired, his skin was yellow. A single tear escaped Ksenia's eye, and she quickly wiped it. Joaquin picked up the phone. Thanks for coming, bro. He nodded his chin in Ksenia's direction. Guess you're finally over my sis. Who's the fox? I laughed. If only he knew what the fuck he was saying. This is Ksenia, a stripper from the Ukraine. How you been, man? Be careful with those strippers, man, or you'll end up in here with me. I'm fine, all things considered. Joaquin, I fucked Ksenia some more. I understood he probably hadn't seen a woman in months, but still. Talk about awkward. Ksenia hunched her shoulders, covered her chest. I wondered if she was beginning to feel as nauseous as I was by this little visit. Served her fucking right. Lawyer says I have a good shot of getting off. Joaquin was still staring at Ksenia. Have you heard from Mia? I heard she's vanished. 
No, dude, she's gone. She came to visit me after you were arrested, but I kicked her out. Sorry, bro, but I couldn't deal with her bullshit. But I didn't expect her to drop off the face of the earth. He looked at his feet, and I took the opportunity to glance over my shoulder at Ksenia. Her eyes were locked on Joaquin, but I recognized her look. She was plotting something. I wanted to milk this visit for as long as I possibly could, not just to see my buddy, but also to fuck with Mia a bit more. And I wasn't that much of an asshole that I couldn't admit that a small part of me also wanted to give this gift to her. Allow her to connect with her brother. God only knew when she would have the chance to again. I gave Joaquin a quick update on the guys from the team. Joaquin's eyes kept darting to Ksenia. I was beginning to think maybe he wasn't just checking her out. Maybe he sensed something was off with her, too. The guard gave us the two-minute warning. Well, I appreciate you visiting me. Extra props for giving me some eye candy. He tapped on the glass toward Ksenia. Nice to meet you. She took the phone out of my hand, clutching the receiver like it was her lifeline, pressing her wrist to the glass. Nice to meet together with you, too. She spoke slowly and drew out every word, as if she was hanging on to their fleeting moment together. And that's when I caught it. Something triggered Joaquin. His jaw fell open and his eyes did a double take. Before he could say a word, the guard opened the door back up, and Joaquin was led away. A lump grew in my throat at seeing his retreating form. I loved that guy, and I prayed that one day we'd once again be swimming in the open ocean together. I turned my attention back on Ksenia, who had a dazed look on her face, her eyes glassy. I studied her. What the fuck did I miss? I'd been watching her the entire time. She didn't have a chance to whisper anything to him, reveal her identity. But even if she had, I'm not sure she would be stupid enough to say something when I was present. I held her hand. Thanks for coming with me. Of course. I wrapped my arm around her shoulders as we walked out of the jail. Once outside, I dropped her hand. But that's when I saw it. She was wearing a bracelet. It was bright and beaded and rainbow-colored. One of those ugly pieces of jewelry that had been popular when we were kids. Definitely not something a grown woman would wear, even if she were from a different country. And I knew for a fucking fact that she hadn't been wearing it earlier in the day. I'd never seen that bracelet before. Not in all the years I dated her. Not during all the times that I hung out at her place. Joaquin had apparently seen it, though. Joaquin knew what it meant. And I knew that the cracks in Ksenia's game were beginning to show. It was only a matter of time before I broke her. Before I called her out on her bullshit. Before I made her beg for my forgiveness. Before I got rid of her once and forever. I definitely wasn't ready to call her bluff. Oh no, we were just getting started. But for tonight... I had probably fucked with her enough. Joaquin was her limit. 
You okay? Yes, she offered, her voice breaking. I feel bad for your friend. It must be hard to be in jail. He is innocent, yes? I suppressed my emotions. Anger, shock, hurt, and victory all bottled inside. I held Mia in my arms the way I once had years ago. Yeah, he is. He's a great guy. He's like my brother. In fact, he almost was my brother. That girl I told you about who left me. She was his sister. I'd never told her, but I'd plan on asking her to marry me. Had even asked for Joaquin's permission. But she's vanished from the face of the earth, and now I'm all he has left. She winced, her shoulders slumping, and dropped my gaze. She seemed to ponder this information for a beat, and I hoped to hell she might crack. But instead, she buried her head in my chest. Now my fucking heart ached. I wanted to interrogate her, demand answers. But instead, I pushed a lock of hair from her forehead, taking special notice of her dark roots that were becoming visible. That girl? I could barely hear her muffled voice. I'm sure she knows it. What a mistake she made. You've been listening to Episode 8 of Seven Deadly Seals. Tune in next week for Episode 9. You've been listening to Seven Deadly Seals, written by Alana Albertson, narrated by Jason Clark and Jennifer O'Donnell, produced at Brickshop Audio Inc. Seven Deadly Seals is also available in print as an ebook on the Radish Fiction app and as a full-length audiobook. If you want the whole story without waiting, grab one of these formats from the links at www.authoralanaalbertson.com. That's www. Dot A-U-T-H-O-R-A-L-A-N-A-A-L-B-E-R-T-S-O-N dot com.